Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Randy Orton is back on Monday Night Raw, and I, for one, am a very pleased pup. I mean, nobody told me <laughs> where he'd been. There was not one explanation, but let's not worry about that. It is WWE, and that's just what they do. What is far more important, and maybe Randy had this before, I can't remember, it's been ages. He now has this, like, beard combo on his face, where it's like a goatee, but you don't really notice the bit on his chin, so you just notice his moustache. And my word, it's a very good moustache. So, I want to be like Randy Orton, so this episode of Raw Ups and Downs will be done with me sporting this wonderful one. Wonderful Tash. Hello, my name is Simon Miller. I'm an absolute moron. Let's up those doubts. So yes, the very first person we saw on Monday Night Raw was, of course, Randy Orton with his awesome facial hair. And everybody was going crazy for him. And you could just tell how happy he was to be back in front of a loud crowd. It made me feel all warm and fuzzy deep down in my tum-tum. He barely got a word out before Riddle interrupted. And I like to think that Riddle was backstage and he heard, I hear voices in my head. And he just legged out there because he was so excited. Then we kind of popped this balloon because Riddle was like, oh man, Randy, I was wondering where you had gone like my stepdad when I was a child who went out for milk and never came back. And I was like, yeah, that's really, really funny. No, it's not. This all then took a very weird turn though because as the former Matthew was getting super pumped, they could be a tag team again. Randy just turned to him and said, uh, no, I don't think I want to do that anymore. I work better by myself, so you better get to step in. Okay. Despite all this, AJ Styles and Omos were then here, and this just re-establishes my gate proposal that I put forward on SmackDown Ups and Downs to stop this happening. But also, the tag team champions are absolute goofs. They had just watched RK Bro basically split up, but they still came up there to wind them up. And we know within the world of wrestling, that means at some point, SummerSlam, they're going to have a tag team match. If you had just stayed in the back, AJ Styles, and never have done this, you probably would have had a free ride. Styles then started to insult them, and Randy Orton didn't like that, so he started to insult them back. And of course, before all was said and done, they went, hey, why don't we have a singles match? So I guess that Randy Orton is the general manager now. Maybe that's where he was taking his general manager course. Oh, and then tried to smash RKO's out on everybody, but he wasn't able to. So Riddle then tried to do one on Omos, but you know how that goes. He got smashed right in the ass. That's a poor choice of words. The key to all of this though, is that Orton witnessed this, and did he go and help his former friend 
No, he did not, but come on now. We all understand what's going on here. Of course we're going to do this match at the pay-per-view. And the fans are into this. Randy Orton, like I say, was just so happy. You couldn't help but enjoy it. As my moustache comes off my face and I'm giving it up. The flipping brand-to-brand invitational, or whatever we're calling it, was then back. And this is not how stipulations work. You can't just go, lol, we want to bring it back so we're going to. You have to build in things in order for it to happen at certain points throughout the year. Now, thankfully, this does get a pass because the person coming over from SmackDown was none other than Sad Baron Corbin. And thankfully, WWE did try and justify this too because Jinder Mahal had rang up Baron and said, look, Bear, I know you're in a really bad position financially, so if you come to Raw and you beat up Drew McIntyre, I will give you a wad of cash. But again, Paul Corbin, he was like, I don't want to do this. I want to fight a man who's got a sword. He's going to decapitate me. So now not only is he broke, he's worried about his head being chopped off his shoulders. Why are we booing this man? Drew responded right after this as well, and it's got to be one of the most emotional, but kind of weird promos I've ever heard in my life. Because he equated taking on Baron Corbin to the very real story about his mother being so ill, somebody suggested that she have an abortion, which she refused, and then the fact she passed away. And now look, Drew McIntyre is an absolute badass, and this stupid thing, and this made me like go, oh, I can't believe it. But I don't understand why, because he had to go through that, now he wants to be cut Baron. You know what? Who cares? What a tale. We then indeed have this match, and it was pure goofiness. And as a goof myself, up. Because they had a decent back and forth, but this was all about the finish. Because as Baron was getting his ass whipped, he was like, please don't hit me with Claypool Kick. I'm just an absolute loser. So Drew got a microphone and he was like, all right, look, how much money do I have to give you for the next few days? If nothing else, so you go have a shower. And because Baron Corbin is an idiot, he said $100,000. That really did make me chuckle. Imagine that. I'll buy you a sandwich. Okay, can you give me a hundred grand? So Drew McIntyre gave him the Claymore kick. One, two, three. Baron loses again. Get rid of that. Obviously, after the fact, Jinder Mahal and his boys started walking towards the ring, but they forgot that Drew has a big sword, so he picked it up. So if they had got in the ring, he would have just gone, and stabbed them right through the heart, and we never would have watched Raw again, because somebody obviously would have taken it off the air. So I actually had a good old time watching this, but I will say, I think we are pitching this Baron Corbin character completely incorrectly. It's okay if we do it for a few more weeks, but at some point, he has to become a good guy, because he just has so much sympathy. We've all been down on our luck and we've all been broke and now we can live vicariously through Baron. But at the moment, we just keep on insulting him. So I hope that we do change paths, but either way, this is good. We then had the best backstage segment of the year because Riddle scooted up to Randy Orton. He was like, Randy, I know you're just joking. Can we be a team again? And Randy looked at him and said, He is such an asshole, but I tell you, I'm here for it. Then, surprise, surprise, out came Karrion Cross for another match with Jeff Hardy, and the WWE Universe made no noise. Who would have thunk that bringing a guy up from NXT and presenting him to the casual fans as a guy that just loses would have meant he had no heat? I don't know about you, but I am so shocked. And yes, it was a rematch, and if WWE didn't have so many of these, I would start a counter, but honestly, I wouldn't be able to keep up with it. But let's try and find the positives here, which is the fact that Karrion Cross beat Jeff Hardy. So he finally has got a win, 
And for that reason alone, I'm giving it up. He made him submit after applying the cross jacket, but we cannot forget about the fact that now we have to restart his momentum. And of course, when you have a debut, you can always have whatever momentum you want because no one has seen you before or they recognize you from NXT and they're excited. So I can't get over this. It activates my nerd gland and I'm giving it a down. We then just had this terrific video about the friendship between Randy Orton and Riddle. I mean, it was the most over the top thing you've ever seen in your life. And if you haven't watched the show, you're now figuring out my word. We just based the entire thing around this and yes we did it was essentially three hours of broken friendship cut to riddle afterwards though and he was like oh man well i get it i want to be his friend and his bro but because i am his friend and his bro if that's what he wants i will give it to you but don't worry from my vantage point all of this works out okay then wwe went wwe which i'm sure if you're following along with ups and downs is becoming a weekly occurrence down because it was alexa bliss versus the drop and this fell apart almost instantly because one Lily came out with Alexa Bliss and she placed her on the top ropes. I was like, oh no, what's going to happen? And two, about halfway through, or almost instantly to be honest with you, all of the fans started chanting, we want Wyatt. Now I'm all for supporting Bray and I think we should be shouting this from the rafters as much as we can, but maybe don't do it when Alexa Bliss is in the ring. It's not Alexa Bliss's fault. She didn't do anything wrong. She just given a gimmick, which I'm sure had an end storyline when Bray Wyatt did come back to TV. But of course, WW went crazy and released him. I'm still not over it. What was far worse than all of this though, was the finish. Because from nowhere, the camera just zoomed in on Lily's face, who did a wink. And because of that, the drop was absolutely terrified. So Alexa Bliss snuck up and hit the most devastating move in all the sports entertainment, the surprise roll up and got the three. Now I do just have a few questions because what realm are we now in? What is this? And is WWE aware that if you were in the arena and you were looking at this doll, they wouldn't have seen a wink because of course it was added in afterwards and this has to be one of the most stupidest distraction finishes we have ever seen. I mean, it was distraction courtesy of a voodoo doll. So I have no idea, but it doesn't work. I know that it doesn't work. It also means we bring back the distraction board, which now is up to 91. So unless WWE is just going to stop doing distraction finishes, which they're not, we are going to get to 100 probably come September. And I'm sorry, my friends, that is absolutely ridiculous. Also, honestly, a puppet winning wrestling matches. What a crock of shit. Wait, what the hell? Ah! <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's a stupid puppet. See, he falls over there. Sheamus was then backstage yelling at Miz and John Morrison because it was time for a rematch on Monday Night Raw or Damian Priest versus John Morrison round 784. Before that, though, we did get Sheamus versus Ricochet in a contenders match or a number one contender opportunity. And I tell you, these two are just so good. I still can't believe we're not pulling the trigger on Ricochet. But look, by this point, it's not going to happen. But this, my friends, wasn't easy up. We really do need to give Sheamus a proper title feud at some point. Or I guess we're on the cusp of that. Because ever since he won it at WrestleMania, I think he's had like one. And there was this crazy spot here where Sheamus was in front of the announce table and Ricochet just dove from the ring and they crashed together and went flying into the barricade. Honestly, if you haven't seen this, you need to go change that right now. Truly crazy. Everything else Rick did too was utterly mind-blowing because of course he has a deal with gravity where the laws don't apply, but anybody could have telegraphed this one. Eventually, Sheamus used his headbutt mask technique to take him out. Then he hit the bro kick, one, two, three. 
And who even knows if we'll see Ricochet next week. It was still really good stuff though and segued straight into Damien Priest taking on Johnny Boy Morrison. And the reason I like doing this back to back is because Damien could get on Sheamus's face and kind of chase him away. So straight away you were like, oh well man, he's a strong baby face, maybe I'll cheer for him. And much like that last match, this was good too. And no, of course we can't get away from the fact that these two guys have just fought over and over again. But Damien Priest is really good. John Morrison is really good. So when you do put them in a wrestling match, the answer is always good. Uh, Morrison jumped off the ropes at one point and Damien Priest just kicked him right in the face and that's always going to work. But the best part about all of this was what happened at the end. Because just as Damien was going to hit the reckoning, the Miz got that stupid drip stick and fired it into his face. But this is just a water gun. So for the first time maybe ever in WWE, Damien Priest just did that shrug emoji like, I don't care. He hit his move and he won. So he ignored the distraction. I'm not going to lie. I fell off my sofa and I was just rolling around on the floor because I'm a very strange individual. But I was just so pleased. More people need to do this. I mean, it's not acid. He didn't have acid put into his face. And this just kept going on. Because afterwards, Miz was still being an idiot. So Damien Priest intimidated him so much, he stood up and blew his cover. He doesn't actually need a wheelchair and maybe he was never injured and he ran to the back. And even when John Morrison tried to attack him, Damien Priest just kept beating him up. He then got on the microphone, he challenged Sheamus to a match at SummerSlam and Sheamus said yes. He then gave another bro kick, a bro kick, can you believe it, to Johnny Boy. And why my heart does be for Johnny Drip Drip because he deserves better than this. I will take Damien Priest versus Sheamus at SummerSlam, especially because now Damien has just come across like a superstar. And if you can believe it, by the end of it, everyone was going, oh man, Damien Priest, yeah, woohoo, woohoo, because he looked like a king. So yeah, he was just a badass for 10 minutes and he came across like a badass. Sometimes it really can be that simple. Mansoor then gave Mustafa Ali a jacket or a ring entrance coat to say sorry for last week. I don't really understand how that adds up. Oh, I'm sorry I lost the match. Hey, here's some clothing. But I suppose it was a nice thing to do. Ali wasn't that interested, so he said, look, watch my match with T-Bar later and just learn from it. That's all I need. And I guess the lesson he wanted to get across was losing because he lost. This also meant it was a kind of a rematch because we were just taking elements of these two teams and now putting them in singles matches. And while I really like Mansoor and Mustafa Ali especially, I just don't think this is working down. And the main reason for that is just because they're being treated as nothing. Like T-Bar won here, which means when eventually, I presume, we do split up Ali and Mansoor, you're going to have two losers having a fight. So you're just going to be like, okay, why should I care about this? Oh, I don't. And I suppose the aftermath was a bit better because Mansoor did get in there and he ran off T-Bar and Mace. But I don't know. Something's not clicking here. Ah, damn it. I always regret doing this. Tazawa and R-Truth then disguised themselves and tried to jump Reggie, who was having a 24-7 title photo shoot. And all I could think to myself was, I think it's time to retire the 24-7 title. Down. MVP and Bobby Lashley were then here and they made me laugh out loud. Well, I'm giving them love. For starters, MVP was talking about how Bill Goldberg's spear last year had left him with broken ribs, but then he went full on 12-year-old boy. Because he was like, yeah, well, Goldberg, Bobby Lashley's spear is better than your spear. And also, I've looked into the data and his dad could beat up your dad. It then got even better or more screwed up because MVP went after Goldberg's kid and said, Gage, you better talk your dad out of coming to SummerSlam. Otherwise, we are going to destroy and annihilate him. Annihilated, the definition of which is to utterly destroy 
or obliterate. So these two are a couple of crazy cats. This will be good for Mini Goldberg though, because afterwards his father will be able to spend all his time with him because he'll basically be so broken. And Bobby Lashley also had a really good last line here where he went, Goldberg, you're not next, you're done. And he delivered that like he was an insane person. So these two are really, really good. Not that it's a massive surprise, but they just did something good tonight. So I'm genuinely hoping that Lashley basically murders Goldberg at SummerSlam because that will be really good for his CV. The person that usually destroys others gets destroyed. I mean, that just writes itself, which is why, of course, in a few weeks, I'm sure I'll be saying, oh, hey, look at his brand new champion, Billy Goldberg. And then, man, I want to do this. I really like Rhea Ripley. But look, nobody is safe and you've got to call it how you see it. Roll it. Because my name is Simon Miller and welcome to another episode of Nobody Talks Like That. This week starring the one and only Rhea Ripley. Because she was about to have a match with Nikki Ash when she said, As a former Raw Women's Champion, I understand the balance between light and dark that is needed to hold on to that title. Does Nikki Ash have a dark side? Because I haven't seen it. And I'm sorry, I've been here, I've been there, I've been everywhere. And I can tell you in no uncertain terms, if you are a human being, nobody talks like that. So yeah, that was barely English in the history of mankind. Nobody has ever spoken such words. And then we got a rebuttal promo from Nikki Ash. We're like, man, I'm going to do it. I can do it because I'm a superhero. Good for her. And then she failed to do it. And why is that? (laughs) Because it ended (laughs) in a disqualification. Down. And the short version is it went around about 10 minutes and then Nikki Ash was on the top rope. Charlotte Flair came out. She pushed Nikki Ash off. Referee went, well, I've got nothing to do. I've got to give him disqualification. So we gave the disqualification. Breathe. And then she beat up Rhea Ripley as well. Pose with the belt afterwards. So we had some nice B-roll footage for our video that will air before SummerSlam. And look, all three of these people are really good wrestlers. And yet this story isn't working. And I wonder why that is. Also bring down the board. There it is. It rolls up to 45, which is also stupid. And then from nowhere, WWE planted the seeds to completely rehabilize. This has got me quite excited to the point I'm going to give it an up. It will be a regretful up, but an up all the same. Because we had this really cool video where he took his guitar and he threw it in the fire and told us that Elias was dead. And if WWE capitalizes on this properly and comes up with a really good new idea for him, well, he can feel like a brand new character. And I know throwing away the guitar thing is dangerous, but let's not pretend that it was done. There was nothing else we could do with it. So instantly I am nervous because we know how these things usually go, but it was simple and it was effective. Two words that WWE could put in their booking journal and absolutely stick to going forward. Had a promo with Charlotte afterwards as well. She's going to win the title at SummerSlam. I was like, yep, you probably will. We then cut to Randy Orton for what felt like the fifth time of the evening, just so he could go, man, I don't want to be in Team RK Bro anymore. I was like, all right, I get it. Then it was AJ Styles versus Orton. These two are always good together up. There was always going to be shenanigans as well, given that there were so many people in the mix. So, of course, as soon as Randy Orton was going to beat AJ Styles, Omos just grabbed him and pulled him out the way. This distracted Randy Orton. I was like, please, for the love of everything, don't do it here. And actually, we didn't. Because even though it did allow Styles to boot Orton right in the head, Riddle was then out, and he jumped on Omos's back because, of course, he's in love with Randy Orton, and he wants to do what's right by him. This never goes well, though, because Omos is the most protected man in the world, and he grabbed Riddle, and he chucked him into the ring post. We then continue to keep things nice and easy, though, because AJ went for the phenomenal forearm. Randy caught him in the RKO, which is also awesome to see. 
and he pinned it for the one, two, three. I was like, wahoo, way. That makes all the sense in the world. It also meant we had this end with Riddle getting in the ring and just acting like it was Christmas come early and begging Randy Orton for a hug. At first, Randy was like, no, I will not cuddle you. But then, of course, he got back in the ring and they did embrace. And I was like, yeah, wahoo. I was like, what has happened to me? I'm cheering a hug. Because this is Randy Orton, though, as soon as they were done, he grabbed Matt Riddle by the neck and he gave him the RKO. He was laughing, I was laughing, Brian Saxton was going mad on commentary, and Orton was so good here with his facial expressions and his movements, and he even got down on one knee, and he just ruffled Riddle's hair, as if to say, okay, you stupid idiot, I will be your tag team partner, but I got all these crazy things in my head and in my bones, I just couldn't help it. So it just ties into the Randy Orton character, and I get it, some people are going, oh man, we should have left the RKO for when they break up properly, but you can still do that, he can do something something truly evil to turn it around. And the point mostly is that when Raw did go off the air, I actually felt like I'd been sports entertained. I mean, there was some garbage on the show, and I still think Raw has a long way to go before, you know, it's like on the track that SmackDown is. But I did feel like it was far better than usual. So overall, maybe, I think, I feel confident I'm giving it up. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.